Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Classic rock band Blue Oyster Cult brings more cowbell to Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races in West Virginia on Saturday night. I spoke to co-founder Eric Bloom about the band's biggest hits, from Don't Fear the Reaper to Godzilla to Burnin' for You, and of course, the hilarious SNL sketch with Will Ferrell's cowbell. Eric Bloom, hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP. Always glad to be rocking with you guys. <laughs> We're talking because Blue Oyster Call, the legendary band, is coming to Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races in West Virginia uh, on November 19th. Uh, what do we got? I assume it's all, all the greatest hits we're going to hear. Is, is there any new material uh, you know that you guys are going uh, to roll out, or what we got? Well, um, in 2020, we put out a new album, so we will be playing some, uh, some of the tracks from that album. So it's our newest stuff. And of course, mixed in with uh, all the greatest uh, hits, shall we say. All right. And that's the symbol. And some deep tracks. The symbol remains is that new, that that was the pandemic release, we'll call it. <laughs> and then all the old hits, of course. Um, awesome. Yes. Sounds great. Well, we can dive into a couple of them in a second, but I, whenever I have someone legendary on, I always love to hear sort of your backstory. I know you, you were born in Brooklyn, but grew up in Queens. Um, how did you actually meet the guys to form? Uh, was it Stony Brook University, something like that in the late 60s? Well, uh, our manager, our original mentor and manager, Sandy Perlman, he was the student body president at Stony Brook. And uh, he went into a place and he heard uh, sort of like a, um, a house where people were jamming. And um, he heard some guys jamming one night and he said, you know, you guys are really good. And, you know, I have some connections and you guys could be a band. But it was just some guys um, basically just jamming together. And that was the the genesis of what became Blue Oyster Cult. And that was about 1967. So it's a very long time ago. And some a lot of different people came in and out of that conglomerate of that night. Yeah. And um, that's what became Blue Oyster Cult. And uh, that night was uh, Don Roser, who is the uh, the key guy, became Buck Dharma. And uh, that's um, eventually that moved on to uh, many other people who came in and out. But uh, that's um, today it's uh, Don and I. Um, I joined um, a couple of years later. Uh, and then... Um, Albert Bouchard, Joe Bouchard, myself, and um, uh, Alan Lanier. And uh, that was the original five guys. Right. Awesome. Well, yeah. And re- I know it was originally, I think, guess the band name was something like, it was like Soft White Underbelly. And you changed yeah, it. Yeah, the and- original name <laughs> was Soft White Underbelly, which came from Sandy Perlman. He would remember he was our, um, he was the crux of uh, getting the band off the ground. And he got that name from uh, Winston Churchill. 
who uh, called Italy the soft white underbelly of Europe during World War II. Well, there you go. Yeah, and and uh, history played a a, a lot of. Uh, Sandy was a big uh, WW2 buff and history buff, and uh, and a lot of his lyrics came uh, from history. I love that. I love that. Wait, so wait, but where did the name Blue Oyster Cult come from? What is that? What is that? You know, what's the meaning? Well, Sandy, Sandy wrote this huge um, poetical opus called Imaginos. And um, it had a lot to do with sort of science fiction and fantasy. And one of the lyrics of the Imaginos uh, epic was called Blue Oyster Cult. And that existed in 1967, 68. And when we needed a name to play in front of Clive Davis from Columbia Records, um, we had to sort of ditch the soft white underbelly name or a couple of interim names we had. And um, we could not agree being five individuals. And uh, we gave Sandy uh, the, you know, we can't agree. You pick a name. So he picked Blue Oyster Cult from his poetry. And that was one of the stanzas of poetry in the Imaginos epic. <laughs> a stanza of poetry, and it becomes the name, and it sticks, and it becomes the name of the first album too in '72. Um, you know, songs like "Cities on Flame" with rock and roll, uh, but but it really was. I guess it was the fifth album that we you really became a household name, Agents of Fortune in '76, because that had "Don't Fear the Reaper." Um, man, just right. an, that, an that, iconic, that, iconic. As you song. say, that was that was the fifth album. A lot of people think that was our first album, but we'd been around for quite a while already. Exactly. Yeah, man. I need to give you, I wanted to give you credit. That was that you'd already had four albums in the can at that point, but yeah, number five was, was where he really blew up. Um, tell me about putting together. Don't fear the Reaper. I mean, the, the theme, that's such like a, a quintessential rock and roll theme that death is inevitable and we should just, you know, go ahead and live and love while, while, while we can kind of a thing. 40,000 men and women every day dying, I guess. But is that, I guess, was that sort of what you guys were going for? Just sort of, a, you know, what, what's, what's sort of the message behind this song? Death is inevitable. Well, obviously, uh, Buck Dahmer wrote that song. You'd really have to uh, it'd be interviewing him about, you know, his personal choices of, of the lyrics. But but the what does it mean to you uh, over I, the years? <laughs> well, you know, we do it every night and and uh, we are happy to be playing a song that was so popular. And it is on classic radio everywhere, all over the country, almost every day and sometimes more than once a day. So uh, it has stood the test of time. And of course, the famous SNL uh, cowbell sketch, which is uh, rated number one sketch of all time on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you were watching SNL back in those days. You know, the early cast and everything, Belushi and everybody had no idea that your one of your songs would become, you know, legendary. Where, do you remember where you were when you first saw that Will Ferrell and, you know, Christopher uh, Walken? I absolutely do. We, you know, it's very rare to be off on Saturday night when you do what we do, but I was at home. And I was watching it live when it happened. Oh, cool. And um, I was sitting on the couch and uh, all of a sudden there you are um, being sent up by the SNL people. And, um, you know, my, more my, my jaw dropped more than I thought it was funny at the time. And um, all of a sudden my phone started ringing and saying, ah, are you watching this? You know, <laughs> so um, it was it was pretty funny. And uh, Will Ferrell wrote that sketch. And he had presented it to the SNL um, uh, producers more than once. And uh, they didn't think it was funny. But now here it is. It, it stood the test of time. And um, I think I think um, it, it's um, so much ad-libbing was going on in there that made it funny because you can see they're all cracking up. 
Oh, Jimmy Fallon is the worst at keeping it together. He's just busting it. That, it's, but that makes it so much funnier in the background. But yeah, I think it's go- Chris Walken. I think Chris Walken is the one who's like making up some lines, and he's. I think he's killing those guys. <laughs> yeah, I got a fever, and the only prescription is what I have. Did, have you ever, well, you ever, have you ever run into Farrell or Walken or or Fallon or any of them afterwards? I wish we had. I wish we had. You know, once when we were in L.A. once to plan a show. Um, uh, we had invited Will Ferrell to come down and, and come on stage with us, but he was out of town. Ah, oh, man. Well, keep keep throwing it out there whenever you know you're in the, in the same place as him because he'll have to take you you up on it at some time. He owes you guys big time for that. Maybe you should write a song uh, called I, More Cowboy. You know, invite him to come on a song or something. Uh, you never can tell what might happen. <laughs> you never can tell, but uh, it's, it is an iconic song. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Well, I know the next album really quick. I, I need to talk about uh, Godzilla. You know, oh, there goes Tokyo. God, God, Godzilla. Um, were, were you, I know you mentioned big sci-fi fans and stuff earlier in the interview, but uh, it, was that what it was? You just big fans of, of the movie Godzilla or what? what, what caused uh, I'd it? say that's exactly correct. Um, I mean, we used to, uh, back in our early days when we, uh, you know, Don and I grew up in the New York City area. And uh, when we were kids, uh, they used to have, you know, monster matinees on Saturday afternoons and you know, every town had a local ghoul who would play, uh, you know, some guy would dress up as, as Dracula and have a monster movie thing at midnight or something, you know. And in New York, there was a guy named Zachary who had uh, his own monster 1130 TV show called Shock Theater on ABC in New York. And he would play monster movies and Dracula and Wolfman and Godzilla. And you know, we loved that stuff as kids. So uh, we would often talk about Godzilla and Rodan and Mothra and so King Kong. Don wrote that he wrote that um, that heavy lick of that. And then all of a sudden it came to him that Godzilla would be perfect as a character for that uh, music. Oh, absolutely. And and just like Don't Fear the Reaper showed up later in pop culture on SNL, uh, the Godzilla song just showed up again in what was it? Godzilla King of the Monsters, I think, in 2019. That that latest uh, one of the blockbusters they just when they remade it. I think right. I heard a cover well, of they, it, right? They, they could have they could have used it earlier, but uh, but no. <laughs> yeah, why didn't um, they? They but, brought in Jimmy Page uh, and Puff well, Daddy we, instead yeah, of bringing yeah, up your we guy. Have, <laughs> we have nothing uh, nothing to do with it. But uh, just a little aside, you know, um, when uh, when our song came out, um, the movie people got in touch with us saying, uh, you know, you owe us. <laughs> that you do. 
You, I mean, they should be paying yep. royalties forever, I think. Um, but it's a great song. Well, maybe time for one more. I know we're tight on time, but we, my listeners will kill me if we don't talk about Burning For You off of that 10th album, Fire of Unknown Origin in 81. Um, it was written by Roser and, I guess, a rock critic, Richard Meltzer. Is that right? That, yeah, that's correct. Uh, Richard um, went to Stony Brook with Perlman and um, donates lyrics from time to time. And uh, just sent in the lyric, and uh, Don got a hold of it and wrote the uh, great song, Burning For You, which was a hit in 1981. I love, in addition to the lyrics that they were, I love just sort of that. I always think of it as like a circular guitar riff. You know, it's like it hits you hard, and then it's like, it kind of loops around in your mind, I guess, a little bit. But do you know how who, how the, that circular guitar riff sort of came up? Or the idea to just hit you right in the face right at the beginning of the song? Well, again, <laughs> that's a that's a Buck Dharma song. And, yeah. and he, um, uh, it's we were very lucky that that came out at the beginning of MTV. And that was a, a constant uh, rotation song for the early years of MTV. Oh, everyone watching MTV could sing, you know, burn out the day, burn out the night. It, it was on all all the time. But um, but now we're not in the, you know, M- MTV was was huge. But now we've sort of come on into the what do you call it? The streaming and the Spotify and the Pandora age. And <laughs> do you, uh, but people can still find your stuff and it's played on classic rock all, all the time nowadays. Um, you know, when, when you add up the whole legacy and everything, I mean, do you think what's it what's it going to take to get you guys in like the rock hall i know you probably don't give a, a crap about that but uh you know what what what's it going to take man uh we uh again we have no say about the rock hall of fame that's strictly up to uh their board but um you know maybe it'll be posthumous <laughs> well don't fear the reaper because that means you'll be posthumously hall of famers maybe who knows i, I don't know that's um that's not for us to say but uh if Judas priest can make it maybe there'll be a uh, time for us exactly it sort of opens the door for other ones all right well you know we've we've hit the big big hits but if if our listeners are coming out to the hollywood casino to, to see you guys is you know what is there like a um i don't know what's like an underrated gem or a deep cut that you've always loved that, that you might be able to slip in the set for them well, we just uh, did three nights in New York uh, about a month ago uh, where we played our first album, second album, and third album in their entirety. Oh, and, just in um, order? Wow. In order. Uh, the first night, the first album, the second night, third, you know, et cetera. Yeah. And then we did two-hour sets after each one of those of deep tracks. So um, all those three nights were sold out, and people flew in from all over the uh People came in from Australia and stuff like that for these shows. So um, we wound up uh, dredging up a few songs that we hardly ever have played before. And one of which is uh, KG Cretans, which is a song that we never played before. And uh, it was kind of fun. Last night we played it in Bangor, Maine. And the lyric in the song is, it's so lonely in the state of Maine. So it was kind of fun to play that in in Maine Um, (laughs) and actually be able to sing that to a Maine audience. Oh, uh, they, yeah, absolutely. They probably all knew it. It's a, it's a Richard Meltzer lyric. It's a, it's a song that we never played before, maybe two months ago, wow. uh, in fifty years. That's cool. So, fifty um, years, break it back out. It was on ice for a long time, but that's really cool. Yeah, exactly do, true. Do you find that the, the the audiences for these shows are is it like you know obviously like people that that grew up with the music and then now they're bringing what their their kids and you know different generations do you find multiple generations out in the audience? I'd say that's also correct. Um, people, well, you know, fifty years a lot of stuff goes on at fifty years. 
Yeah, maybe grandkids at this point coming to listen to some BOC. You never know. I I, I know that's absolutely true. <laughs> I mean, some three generational photos there at your shows, but uh, awesome. Well, it's uh, it, it's it's an incredible run, um, and I really appreciate you you joining us. Um, again, everyone, it's Blue Oyster Call coming to the Hollywood Casino, Charlestown, West Virginia, November nineteenth. Uh, Mr. Eric Bloom, thanks so much. I really really appreciate your time. All right, thanks, and uh, we'll see everybody out there uh, rocking in West Virginia. All right. Give us some more cowbell. We'll be there. Bye-bye. Later. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. Explain your DNA on, on 10 cases, man. You're inside the police interrogation room with the alleged Potomac River rapist. I'm not guilty on any of this stuff. So calm, so reasonable. Could this be the man who terrorized women for nine years before murdering a brilliant scientist two decades ago? Experience one of the most fascinating true crime podcasts available. Join crime reporter Paul Wagner for Unknown Subject, season three of WTOP's American Nightmare series. Search American Nightmare Podcast on all podcast platforms. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.